Welcome to the Phenomenal Career Podcast, the show where you hear the how, why and what it takes to build a phenomenal and fulfilling career that stands out. I'm your host, Just Jazz, career success coach and tea lover who believes you can do this work and more with a dose of reality, curiosity, challenge and intention to enable you to show up and go get the growth your career deserves. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to this week's episode. Uh, It's actually a very impromptu one, but I meant it when I said that this podcast is about sharing the work that we do to do the work that we do. This morning, I had the great pleasure of being part of a think-in, which is one of Tortoise Media's signature experiences. I'm not even going to call it an event. It was a thought-provoking discussion around recruitment tech and the involvement of AI and machine learning in the recruitment process and whether that's making it a more diverse experience or not. Um, And naturally, there were points of view from both sides of the fence. And I was there as both a career success coach, but also a consultant for Hustle Crew. If you haven't heard of Hustle Crew, don't worry, I'll be linking it in the show notes. But ultimately, we're an organisation and our mission really is to make tech a more diverse and inclusive place. We want to empower people through workshops, practical tools um, and conversations a lot of the time to really create a more equal world with every single decision. So not just senior leadership, but everybody at every stage having an awareness that can then make decisions that are more equitable and are more fair. So I was invited to this panel um, and I was nervous. And that's what I want to talk about because in hindsight, this finished about two hours ago. um, In hindsight, what I was experiencing was actually imposter syndrome. And imposter syndrome and I have an interesting relationship because I've never really connected with the whole idea that I think I'm going to get found out. But I think in some levels today has proven that it's in there somewhere. Um, And there is a statistic, you know, saying about 80% of us face imposter syndrome. You know, Beyonce faces imposter syndrome. But it can be hard to pinpoint, especially because the education around it is just around that whole feeling of getting found out. But nobody really speaks a lot about what it causes you to do. Now, for me, it meant that I had a horrible night's sleep. For me, it meant I had planned to get up early to quote unquote study and prepare for the for the experience. Um, And I didn't. I well, I did, but not as much as I planned to. I snoozed my alarm. Now, I know that a lot of that is kind of typical of how um, my body and how I respond when I'm anxious. You know, that's a huge part of how my anxiety shows up in day to day. Um, a little bit of avoidance, just a little bit. And then while I'm awake, I'm just worrying. So I'm just painting the picture of my sleep where I basically couldn't sleep. But then when I slept, I just overslept. It's a catch-22. Either way, I did wake up. I did do a little bit of prep, centered myself and and did the event. Um, 
And it was it was just such an adrenaline-filled experience for me because I was on the panel with two people who had written white papers and they were qualified. And even though I knew and understood I was there to just bring my human perspective as a Black woman who works in tech, as somebody who works uh, with Hustle Crew as a consultant and also as a career success coach, I still felt like I needed to run off and get this qualification in all the statistics. I'd even had a conversation um, just walking through the format, getting to know the audience and things like that, where they confirmed, yep, we'll be sharing the stats. It's about fostering dialogue. It's about fostering debate. Just be you and bring the human perspective. So I had my clear instructions, but I still felt like that wasn't enough. And so I'm recording this today to let you know and also let me know, because I'm going to be real. Sometimes these are for me. I want you to know that you are enough. Um, and I want you to know that in, in several ways, because there's a few things that um, in some ways keep us playing small. I wouldn't have sought out this opportunity because I would have thought, oh, I've got two, three friends who are better for it. And that in and of itself is an illustration to the work that we need to do to go for the rooms that we should be in. Because in hindsight, I was perfect for the conversation. In hindsight, I enjoyed it. In hindsight, I got amazing feedback. And I had valid points without having to have a degree, without having to write a thesis on it. And, and my points in my voice were valid and they were enough. And after having an experience like that, and this is something I want to address and you may disagree, it's very easy for us, you know, when discussing it or looking back going, oh, I just winged it. I think even that discounts what we bring to the table. You didn't wing it. You had everything that you need. And there's a difference. There is a difference. You know, it's something that I talk about a lot when I work with clients and I encourage them, you know, what is your zone of genius? What is the thing that you're excellent at? What is the thing that you can do at a moment's notice? And again, it becomes a thing that in the language, when we describe it, it's, oh, yeah, but it's just, oh, I've always done that, oh, oh, oh. just blowing it off, blowing ourselves off, ignoring our greatness, ignoring our talent and our skills and dismissing them as winging it. And whether we do that to take the attention of ourselves or to not take up space, regardless of what the reason is, I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you in those moments where you're tempted to say, oh, I, I was just winging it, right? When you actually genuinely were qualified and fully equipped and you had everything you need. And it's not, this is a huge thing as well, you know, it's not to say that you're not a hard worker. It's not to say you're not smart, but it's to say that sometimes it's okay just bringing what you have to the table. We, we almost have this built-up picture in our minds that everything has to be difficult and everything has to be uh, academically approached and you have to check the boxes and you have to have the qualifications. And, and it's something that is so sad because it holds us back. It means we don't apply for the opportunity. We don't apply for the job. We pass it on to someone else and then we don't realise when we're continuously doing that and then our careers aren't growing and we aren't doing those exciting things. 
So as as somebody who didn't relate to imposter syndrome, I'm looking her in the face right now and I'm saying she visits me from time to time. <laughs> she visits me from time to time. And I again, I, I want to, I'm recording this for those of you who can relate, but also those of you who, um, like me, didn't relate to the whole I'm going to get found out because I see myself as a fairly confident person. So this whole found out thing, my energy is a bit more of a try me, try me. (laughs) You know, if I'm here, I'm meant to be here. Ain't nobody going to tell me different. Okay. And I'm like that in all spheres of life, especially my career. But I just want to walk you through and let you know, you know, there are five different types of imposter syndrome. And in and of themselves, you may not recognize them. But when we talk about what they make you do, and again, by they make, I'm saying that lightly because we are in control. We can change. We can evolve. Um, This might help you identify a little bit more. Because what I wouldn't want is for you to be in your bubble thinking that it doesn't affect you. And then you're in the greatest opportunity of your life where you need to step up and woo you know, woo. She knocks on your, she taps you on your shoulder and she goes, hey babe, how you doing? (laughs) I don't want that to be the case. I want you to see her coming a mile off. Um, And I'm saying her because I'm a woman. And when I think of all these different sides of myself and my experience, I find it easier to say her. But for some of you, it may be when you see him coming, because I think that's another um, miss information that because imposter syndrome is so widespread amongst women that men don't experience it too but they do they really really do so I don't want to exclude anybody from this conversation as we walk through and I'm going to keep this really brief because I'll put some links in the show notes you can look through some stuff um but ultimately you know the first imposter syndrome type is the perfectionist now I don't know what comes to mind when you think of that Um, And you might think of yourself, but also what I found, imposter syndrome showed up a lot in school. Um, You know, there was that person who set the ridiculous goals for themselves. You know, they'd been off sick and then they expected to spend three weeks studying and get an A star. And then when they don't reach that goal, then they worry about measuring up going future and that, you know, everything is destroyed, right? Everything's destroyed because they got an A instead of an A star and it it ruins their perfect track record. Um, And then how this then starts to manifest in the workplace is that you then feel like your work has to be 100% perfected 100% of the time. And what this does is creates an issue. It creates you as a person who can't ask for help. It creates you as a person who will work overtime in order to get things perfect when really your manager only expected it to be done. It creates somebody who micromanages. So in a group project, they will, uh, you know, drag everyone's kicking and screaming to the impossible standard and just having difficulty in that moment delegating. Um, Phrases like, if you want something done properly, you've got to do it yourself. And again, there are moments where that rings true, but there are also scenarios where you'll hear that said and you'll look at the person like, but the way they did it was okay. I don't understand what's the difference between you redoing it now. What's the value? What are we doing here? You know, and ultimately, even successful moments don't feel successful to the perfectionist because 
their their you know their standard was different their standard was even higher or if they hit it then it's just like on to the next measure of success so if that is you i want to encourage you to take time with yourself i want to encourage you to level set your own standards with the environment and that's not me saying lower your personal standards i just mean give yourself some grace especially within the workplace oftentimes with projects we don't have time for the level of perfection that you think should be executed and you have to learn to be okay with that you have to learn to shift your perspective to one of iteration to one where mistakes are acceptable um and if anything they strengthen you and ultimately remembering that there's no such thing as perfect especially within business especially within our careers we can't plan for everything we can't check every single box all the time and if we think about it fully what value do we get in doing that what kind of environment does that create what kind of products does that create you know what kind of experiences that create for you as a team member or how you are also being experienced as a team member you know speaking candidly at this point many of you will be thinking of the perfectionists in your life and some of you may be thinking oh gosh yeah that group that project was, oh it's a nightmare like just meetings upon meetings to change stuff and so many changes and amendments and you know whatever that is in terms of your environment I'm sure we can all think of the perfectionist in action without realizing that that could be what's at play. And I'm sharing these scenarios because it's important for us to build empathy. It's important for us to to build that compassion for some of the reasons why some people are the way they are and why some people are where they are in their careers. Because that's another reason why we have the conversation about imposter syndrome, as I said. I hate to think that not recognizing the imposter that you carry with you, you will be blocked from opportunities and not know why. Or you will block yourself from opportunities and not know why. The next imposter syndrome is the super. So the superwoman, man, insert, you know, insert the gender that you want to put in, but the super. Um, and this is the person that says yes to everything. They're amazing. They smash it out of the park and ultimately they have to keep working. These are the self-confessed workaholics, right? They sacrifice hobbies, sacrifice passions. And I a hundred percent relate to this one. I had to get myself a hobby, uh, of adult coloring books and painting, <laughs> because I realise I'm always working in some shape or form. And I don't realise it a lot of the time because I enjoy what I do, don't get me wrong, but I have to make sure that I keep things in check. You know, what, you know, is it a performative working? Is it because I don't feel like I've earned the right to rest? And that's a huge thing that I've learned, especially within my business over the past year, in fact, that I've more than earned the right to rest that things will not fall apart if I close the laptop, that they won't fall apart if I don't do certain things of a weekend and reminding myself I'm very much in control and learning to relax in that. It's a phase. to So to any recovering supers, do not expect to go cold turkey, okay? Do it a little bit at a time. Start shutting down incrementally. 
Start shortening your workday incrementally and then start working on making it easier for you to relax when you're not working. For me, that means having accountability. My partner is like my sense check. He's a witness to my entire life, even more so now that we're in uh, we're in a pandemic where we're both working from home. So he knows if I've been glued to the screen the whole time. Um, and ultimately, you have to ask, why are you a workaholic? Because you can love your job without being a workaholic. You can be amazing at your job without being a workaholic. You can be over the moon about what you do for a career without um, without kind of being a workaholic itself. Are you addicted to the validation that comes from being seen as, you know, the worker bee? Do you do everything for the approval of others? So, you know, I touched on it, performative. Do you want to be seen a certain way? And do you fear that the minute you stop juggling all of these balls that you won't be? You know, if that's the case, dig deep into that. Told you at the top, I'm a career success coach. Keyword coach. So if any of this is resonating with you, just ask yourself the question. Do you get stressed when you're not working? Do you not believe in downtime? And that sounds really that sounds really firm. But the reality of it is that when you dig a little bit deeper, it goes from the surface level. Hey, when do you, oh, you don't take it? Why don't you take some time off? You know, and when you dig deep into why don't I take time off? Oh, because I could be doing I could be getting so much more work done. You know, who needs who needs a week off somewhere sunny? Who does that? What's that for? Um, and again, I say that in a jovial mood. But if you dig a bit deep, maybe that's the case. Maybe that's the case. Maybe you're so driven on what you're trying to achieve within your role that everything pales in comparison and it feels, it doesn't feel worthwhile to rest. Why, why would you do that? And, and for those moments, I would say, you know, read Ariana Huffington. Sorry, took a moment there. Read Ariana Huffington's book, Lean In, where she shares her story of burnout, essentially, and neglect of herself in the face of being this workaholic and being all of these things to everyone. So if you're a super, I'm with you, I'm here for you. And I relate to you. And then there's the natural genius. I relate to this one as well. And and somebody posted on Instagram the other day, actually, how this plays out over time. Like I said, some of these things, it may be difficult to think about them in context right now, but when you think about them in context of your educational history, you know, the natural genius was the child that was always told they were smart. Even going through uni, oh, you don't have to study to pass the test. Oh, you're so smart. Oh, you're in the top set for everything, aren't you? Okay. The internal bar for these natural geniuses is on the same level as the perfectionists, right? Because everything they have to excel at, they're used to excelling at without much effort. So then the minute they're put into a scenario where there needs to be effort, it feels bizarre, it feels foreign. Because up until this point, effort isn't something that I do to to get my gold stars. So now I need to put effort in. So I must not be as smart 
as I thought I was. Oh my goodness. So then you then work overtime. (laughs) A lot of these imposter syndromes lead to us working overtime, people, okay? But ultimately, it hits harder. When you're a natural genius and something doesn't go well, doesn't go the way you intended it, you're hit harder because you connected this performance to who you are, okay? Because who, who you are is somebody who gets everything right and is perfect and it's easy for them. But this, this one can be really powerful in terms of avoiding and playing small within your career. You avoid those opportunities because any opportunity that will not prove you to be a, the genius that you are is a risk. So we won't do that. Admitting that you need help is a risk. So we won't do that because remember, we've got to protect this natural genius brand. You know, it's a brand. And if I did, oh no, natural geniuses don't do that. They, they don't, they don't have mentors, they have coaches, oh, don't need that, I can figure everything out myself. And then that becomes dangerous, because again, like with the many other forms, you end up working overtime, but also with this one, you end up playing small and isolating yourself, because you don't feel that you deserve the equal space to be vulnerable. But if you were to be vulnerable and have those conversations with people, you would realise very, very quickly that everybody has to work hard at some things and everybody has some things that they don't have to work hard at. And it's a bit of both. It's a blend. It's not black and white. There's some gray in there. And that can be the most freeing thing for somebody who is considered the natural genius. And then if we go a little bit deeper into that, into the imposter syndromes that show up and isolate you and keep you inside your head, is the expert, right? This is that friend that has a great idea for something. And then the next thing that comes out of their mouth is, I found a course. I'm going to go back to uni. I'm going to do a degree. I'm going to get a master's in it. And then maybe then I'll pursue the idea. Maybe then I'll apply for the job. They are the person who says, I'm not going to apply for that because I don't meet everything. Why, why would I apply for it? I need, to meet, I need to meet everything, right? And I need to have, I need to have my proof. I need to have, I need to have my certificates, I need to have my degrees. I, you know, I need to have all of that. And a lot of the times this shows up as the person in the building who is amazing at what they do, but they still don't feel validated because they don't, they didn't study it. I didn't study that. I did, that my degree wasn't in that. So I've I've done all right to be doing this role for five years, and um, you know, I'm, I'm just glad they keep me on because I didn't have a degree in that. And then again, you play, you play small there, and then it also because that is what you lead with. You lead with what you know and how much you know. Then you get treated in that way, and then it becomes quite uncomfortable because then people. Um, will refer to you as the one with all the degrees, you know? And then that, again, becomes part of your brand. And a lot of the times it just takes a little bit of bravery to remind yourself that you don't have to have a degree in it, that you don't have to be the expert on paper, that especially when it comes to careers, it's about proving you can make the impact and get the result. 
And if you're off doing 50 million courses, then you're not building your actual skill. You're not taking actual action to disprove it. And also remembering that, again, kind of similar to the, the uh, you know, kind of similar to the personas that we had before, you start to think that everybody is wired this way and this is the only way to win, but it's not. There are people that are winning in their careers through learning what they need when they need it and then applying it. You know, I'm not saying don't learn. I'm not saying don't do the course. I'm not saying don't upskill, do your CPD and everything like that. I'm not saying that at all. But ask yourself, am I doing this course because it fills a gap between me and being scared to do what I want to do? Is it 100% necessary? What will it add? Is this an avoidance tactic? Is that what's going on here? Yeah? Is that what is going on for you? That you have to have those certificates, otherwise you shouldn't be in the room. And and I think a lot of the times when we talk about somebody being found out, the expert is one that feels that, oh, they might not... Oh, they found out what grade I got in that or, you know, how long it took for me to pass that. Oh, no, 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 no. So as with all of them, I want you to give yourself some grace, jump out of your head, be wary of isolating yourself, be wary of having the conversations to understand how other people experience this and how other people experience the world of work and the other rules for winning because <clears throat> sometimes it's not at the end of a degree. And then the last one I want to go into is The Soloist. And it's quite interesting. And I'll link it in the show notes. But there's a film I watch called The Soloist uh, with Jamie Foxx. And at face value, it it's essentially about a homeless man who is an absolute virtuoso um, on the violin, I believe. And uh, so at face value, you think, yeah, it's about soloists because he plays the violin, right? But I encourage you to watch it because it has so many parallels, because the soloist doesn't need help. The soloist needs to do things by themselves because they have to, you know, that's the only way that I can get the credit and be seen to be worthy, right? Because all of this is about worthiness, about feeling like you deserve to be in a room, in a space, you deserve the opportunity. So being so independent that you cut yourself off, you don't ask for help, you don't accept help because there's a difference as well. Um, and that is, that's again, that's a closely held part of the personal brand. I don't need anyone's help. You know, I, I'm good by myself or I can get it done. It's fine. It's fine. And again, like with all of them, sometimes this leads to a very interesting work-life balance. It leads to overtime. It leads to so many other things like that. So I just want to close this episode as a former person who didn't identify with imposter syndrome, who definitely does now, um, <laughs> and encourage you to look for the moments where you're not winging it, but you have enough, that you are enough. I want to encourage you in doing what it takes to understand and truly believe that you are enough 
and that you have everything that you need and don't discount, don't play small, don't shy away from opportunities because many of those opportunities can be the most fulfilling and most exciting adventures of your career. As ever, if you relate to this episode, reach out. Subscribe, comment, connect with me online. My DMs are always open. I'm always open to have this conversation. And as promised, all of the links that I mentioned will be in the show notes. Until next time, take care. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Phenomenal Career Podcast, where you hear the how, why, and what it takes to build a career that stands out. Don't forget to leave a review and reach out on social media to let us know what you think. I'd love to hear from you. Did you also know you can work with me to create your own phenomenal career through coaching in the Career Clubhouse? You can even invite me to work with your whole team through group coaching and interactive workshops. Check the links in the show notes for more info. As ever, I wish you nothing less than a phenomenal career.